Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh man, our, our message, our textures always come through. This guy says that guys, there already is a documentary about the Playboy Mansion called Secrets of the Playboy Mansion. You don't really want to watch it. <laughs> That's what I said. I don't think you really actually want to know because now, as enlightened as we are, like the post Me Too movement about our attitudes towards women and, and gender norms that were once accepted, which now we realize were totally inappropriate. Yeah, I don't know if we want to get into it. I will say that Hugh Hefner was a free speech advocate. I know he was a big fan of free speech. Yeah, I, so I, I know I, that's a big part of I'm his sure, legacy. I'm sure some terrible things happened there. I would yes, just say if you yes, made it, sure. it doesn't have to be a deep dive documentary, just like a series. I was like the, the you know what the documentary is dark. The miniseries could be a little lighter. Lighter. You know, what I mean, you could you can explore some of the dark stuff, but then you could obviously kind of cushion it with some lighter stuff and some of the really cool experience. The celebrities that came through there for all those years at the Playboy Mansion, that would be really cool. Who's going to play them, that kind of stuff. And as long as you got the right women, the show would be a hit. Uh, but, yeah, you'd have I to. get some lawsuits. You can't That's why I said you're hoping story. everybody died already that would sue you. <laughs> like Hugh Hefner and a lot of the, right? Because you're doing it from a period piece. You'd be doing it from, what, the, the 70s and the 80s? I remember when they. You the, wouldn't the, do the 90s because that's too. If I didn't, I'd already died. Too recent. recent. You do the seventies, eight. A lot of people have like died that out. L.A. Lakers show, but yeah. it, and of course, you immediately had Jerry West coming out of crying foul. A saying, lot. You had like multiple old school players came out against true. it. They were like, "This is fake." <laughs> it was like, "Well, the guys, they gotta lose a little bit of the Hollywood, you know, creativity license, like creative license there." So it's okay. Yeah, uh, they but, embellished a little bit, but it was interesting. You said you liked it. Uh, I did. Show, I, did. I thought it was, I thought the show was, show. and it was yeah. well acted. That was the key, right? Because you had John C. Riley. Uh, you know, as, as Jerry Buss, you had Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. The guy that they cast for Magic Johnson was spot on. Yeah. So it, it was believable, and I'm sure there was some fudging going on. And But as far as – it did follow the history, right, and, and kind of mm-hmm. the chronology of how things played out. Yeah. And then they would embellish, I would imagine. Uh, I was into it. I thought it was a good show. But I, I think it, it got canceled due to the writer's strike, I think, is what ended up I happening. I think you're right. Good point. Never thought about that. I want to bring it back. I would like to. Done. I thought it was good because because it started. If you watch the the two seasons, however many seasons they ended up getting the Showtime, whatever it was called, um, the yeah, story of the Lakers, seasons. the rise of the Lakers. It started with the first scene of the show was Magic Johnson doing his the HIV H- press yeah. conference, mm-hmm. and then they smash back flash back, back to when he's at Michigan State before he was drafted by the Lakers. And so you wondered, okay, well, this they, is going to go all the way up to – They're going to work their way. work their way to that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that – and that because it was based on the Jeff Perlman book, so I'm assuming that was kind of the plan, but then it – I know. You, know. you could do one of those. The White House Cowboys would be a good one to do one of those oh. on too. That'd be nice. Not, not enough of those people have moved on or passed away, so you get too much blowback. Yeah, you But would. one day, one day, that would be a good one. Well, that Jeff Perlman wrote that book too. That's what I'm saying. One day Including that one would be. When they destroyed the uh, my alma mater's dorm room. That would be awesome. <laughs> that one, that one would be better. Honestly, it might be better than that Lakers series for sure. Lakers be. was good, but that they had so many degenerates and heathens, <laughs> and so. Oh. Uh, just, just, well, and of course, when they won the Super Bowl for the first time in the early '90s with Jimmy Johnson, they were the youngest team in the league. So they're a bunch of young guys. Wow. And, and then they won the next year. And then the Dion thing and the Jimmy Johnson thing, and but they were rock stars, man. I mean, they were mm-hmm. they were bigger than bigger than life. And this was all happening while Michael Jordan was becoming Michael Jordan in the early '90s. Uh, but yeah, they had 
Yeah, and Michael Irvin was the team leader, but he was also a drug addict <laughs> who liked to have a good time. Oh, man. Well, for people who don't know the White House story, and maybe Ty doesn't even know because he wasn't born yet. Well, Ty knows. So they, the, their training facility was right in the middle of a neighborhood, Rod, up in North Dallas. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where the training, that's where work was. When you go to work, to practice. But there was like a neighborhood, a residential neighborhood right across the street. Like it was there. I mean, they just plunked this thing, what was it called, Valley Ranch, you know, is what they called it, uh, the, the facility. And now they got the Star Complex. Yeah. Well, so some of the players, had, they got money. They just bought a house or rented a house right there in the neighborhood. Right there. Instead so of having to drive a couple blocks know, away, drive home in between practices and stuff like that. Today. No, we just, it was kind of a safe house. Yeah, hang out right here. Before, house. before and after practice. And yeah. who knows what goes on in there mm-hmm. and who comes over oh, and man. what things are being done. It was like a trap house slash like uh, like pen. It was like a, basically kind of a brothel slash. Yeah. Like it was a, a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some drugs, some women, everything you need there, man. But if something <laughs> happens, we can get over to practice real quick. You know, we're real close. <laughs> Tell the woman, the women to meet us there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just take the strippers and, there after the strip club. if you're and, with a significant other, you can tell them, I'm at practice. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> technically, you were right across the street. Yeah. You were right in the neighborhood. Enough, close enough to it. And I, I went to that complex. I, it is right in the middle. Just think of your – it's right in the middle of the neighborhood. It's amazing. One of those suburb neighborhoods in Dallas. Uh, yeah. Well, did they know? Well, the neighbors, I guess, had to know. Had to know. The neighbors had to know. That's what they should talk to. Did, he, did Jeff Perman talk to the neighbors? That's what I want to know. That's why I need a movie. That's why I need a movie. That, that would be another good one. Uh, that would be another good one. Yeah, because you had a lot of different layers on that one. And you had so, so many big, large-than-life personalities like like Michael Irvin. You had him. Jimmy Johnson was another. And then the, a lot of the fun is who's going to play, what characters you're going to get, or at least what actors you're going to get to play those characters because they're so well-known. The mannerisms, the way they speak, the way they talk. You don't get that right. That's, that's half the damn battle. Oh, that's so hard. With, 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 with an iconic, with iconic biopics or a series about uh, iconic folks. That's why I think I give credit to, uh, to that show. The, the, yeah, they did a good the, job. Like, the Magic they did Johnson, a real good job. Because you got to get Magic right. And then they have Larry Bird on there? They had a Larry Bird character. How's the Larry Bird from, character? They got they him right? from French Lick, yeah. Did they, did they, get him, they do him justice? Pretty good. They and pretty and good they, they had to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which Jerry I thought West. they did a very good one. Jerry West was on point. Yeah. You know, all these movies, you know the movie that did this better than anybody, but it was fictitious, but it was kind of based on a true story, was uh, Boogie Nights. Oh, Boogie Nights was good. Boogie yeah. Nights. Dirk Diggler? Dirk Diggler. Mm. Well, it's the adult entertainment industry, yes. the formation of it, essentially, and the building of it. But, you know, you've you got to do it justice. you got to do it right. And I'm assuming there was some of that kind of stuff going on over at the Cowboys White House. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that, <laughs> like I said, that, there's just so many layers to that thing. Yeah, you can approach it from a lot of different. Because we know that coming out, speaking of you mm-hmm. played the, the audio of Julian Edelman and Tom Brady and Randy Moss, that, that documentary is coming out, right? That Apple Plus series, is that where it's coming out? The, uh, the untold, the, the, the good, the bad, and the untold of the Patriots dynasty? Yeah. That looks good. I don't know how. That does look good, yeah. And they, that timing of that is curious. We right. I we played the trailer of that, and I want to say the next week, they the Gerard Mayo, like maybe two weeks later, Gerard, maybe less than that, the, the Gerard Mayo news breaks. Yes. So I want to say the they, had to, they had to get approval on that. Yeah, maybe the Belichick dismissal or whatever. They had to get approval on that for the release of it, and I bet they knew when they released it. Because it came out, and I was like, man, that's out of nowhere. Well, the good, the bad, and the untold of the of – because, the, mm-hmm. look, the Patriots have – kind of like the Cowboys in the 90s, you know, there were so many books written. I mean, Skip Bayless wrote a book that got real controversial. All the, the major reporters ended up writing a book about, you know, the Cowboys and that, that this, this their take on it and their behind-the-scenes, you know, memories. 
the same thing has happened in New England, right? There's been a bunch of books written about Bill Belichick and oh yeah, the, the, the dynasty's the gone on so long, yes. man. It's like, and they've had so many scandals. And there's been they've had so like many two, two or three scandals. So the scandals, <laughs> the then, then the Tom Brady Garoppolo thing. That's going to be pretty fascinating because it spans over you know twenty years. Yeah, that won't be good. I'll be watching that. Yeah. I'll be watching that, and no. I'm assuming it's done pretty well. But uh, yeah, Cowboys in the '90s would be a really really good one. The only one that, uh, and I think did they make one? But like the, the only thing that could rival the Cowboys of the '90s would be the uh, New York Mets of the 80s in baseball. Didn't they do a 30 for 30 on them? They did. They did. Yeah. Uh, they did, and it was good. Yeah, it, it was, was good. like a four-part yeah, yeah, it was good. series. That was legit. I think I have it still recorded. I may watch it, uh, the That's, Mets of the 80s, because that yeah. was Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden and, um, you know, just yeah. Keith Hernandez. They just had enough. Yeah, they had Lenny many Dykstra. Stars. Yeah, a lot of stars, with and they of, lived hard. With they, a lot of issues, a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you need, you need, these stars that want to, they want to play. They play hard, work hard, and party hard. Yeah, that's the recipe. Well, that was the Showtime Lakers. <laughs> yep, Cowboys Mets in the eighties, Cowboys in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. That's did we have good. any teams like that after that? Like the two thousands that they get two thousands and later that did that? Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like because even the Bulls, they weren't that kind of team. They had, they had elements of it. Rodman had he was an element of that. Well, that you know, but that, the, the team that wasn't necessarily their identity. The Cowboys, that was their identity. Man, nah, man, they partied hard, but they they played hard too. And <laughs> I, I witnessed rock it. stars when when the Cowboys right? began training at uh, at St. Edwards in the early '90s. The the strip club there, right there, that was called Expose at the time. Oh yeah, man. It was because I lived right there. I mean, yeah. I'm walking the, the campus. The strip club is still there. It's not Expose anymore. It's still no, there, but when it, we, when I first got there in '91, it was a dump. Like just a you don't wouldn't you, I wasn't old enough to go anyhow, but you wouldn't want to go because like South Congress in that area would off right off of St. Ed's it was just bad news, man. It was it did it works it's right there where y'all used to work where the studio used to be yeah old, old, later old Penfield Penfield yeah, yeah, yeah. eventually it's like right there. But when I was there in the early nineties at school, that place was but the Cowboys start showing up and that place all of a sudden is super nice. Like they they spent so much money in that club Smart. and they they gust I mean it became like the nicest club in town. Hmm. Yeah, the yeah. cowboy and the cowboys would like ride golf carts over to that thing. Yeah, think about it. I mean, <laughs> right down for, right across those, Woodward. How, how long did training camp last? What two weeks? Uh, about no, a month. About, they, did they have a month down there? They yeah, spent a month, month down there because because they because then they go to California. They spend like two weeks away and then they come back. So I, I think know that was back they when they there. weren't going to California. Oh, okay, so before then. Jerry changed his way. He just was he was just okay. doing Austin. So just, imagine how much money you can make from that team for a month. All the guys making that their go to spot every day. Yeah. You, yeah, you made enough money for the year. They Easy. Probably, exactly. Easy. Well, again, Easy. all of a sudden it became really nice. They fixed yeah, it up. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I can't imagine. I would love to talk to the strip club man. It's like, how much did you guys make? Yeah. In those months, well, I bet they knew exactly. Give you a figure. Like, oh, we made this. It was easily in the millions. I get. I guarantee. Somebody you. in this town for a knows, month long. That was only thirty years ago. For a month. Oh man, they made it. They made about a meal. Yeah. He's probably cleared it oh, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And uh, and of course the Cowboys are rock stars. So that would that is good. But you know the one thing about the Jordan documentary that you can criticize Jordan had full editorial control. There was more stuff going on. There was more salacious stuff involving Michael Jordan that just didn't get told in that story. Very true. They, of course. You know, it was going to be yeah, – yeah. I'm assuming because <laughs> the Michael Jordan salacious side, there's a lot to that. And one of the biggest criticisms that came of that is they didn't go into the gambling stuff nearly enough, uh, that, that it was kind of sanitized true. for Jordan's approval. That's because there's not a lot of facts regarding oh, the yeah. gambling oh, stuff. I know. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of uh, but, intrigue. But we, don't, we know something shady happened 
But that's as what a, a, that's what a good we just documentary. Don't know what it is. That's what a good documentary does. It starts digging for that stuff. It starts yeah. putting people on camera and asking them questions. Well, MJ ain't going into that. No, 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 no. The, no, the no, conspiracy no. theories are so wild as to think that MJ's dad, his demise, was le- related to his gambling. To the gambling, like it was. Oh man, and that's we, why he stepped aside to play baseball. Yeah. Oh was because yeah, the league was about to have to suspend him. Yeah, the league. That was an unofficial suspension that he didn't actually retire. Oh man, the conspiracy theories are just great. Somebody's just going to make a dem- documentary about the conspiracy theories about MJ. Oh. Oh my gosh, that, that would be, be good. Unreal. All right, he'd so, sue you. But oh, <laughs> he's a billionaire, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so there we go. There's some, some off the nose conversation. We'll go. Speaking of off the nose, we're going to go at the bottom of the hour. It is Wednesday, so it'll be set list ATX with our man hey, Nick Shuley. Nick Shuley. Have a light music week. We'll talk NIL and Longhorn basketball with Nick coming up because the Horns all of a sudden are a, a fun conversation on the basketball floor. They're playing some good hoops. Also, the best live music of the upcoming week and weekend out there. But right now, Rod's got his second rant of a, of a Wednesday morning. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. No, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's start getting ready for these uh, AFC and NFC title games coming up this weekend. Time to start previewing these matchups. The first one, let's go to the AFC side of things because I don't think a lot of people realize how good that Ravens defense is. Now, Patrick Mahomes can pretty much uh, solve any defense, and um, he is the best quarterback in the league. So I would not have put it uh, out of the realm of possibility that he has a great game and shows up this Ravens defense and leads the Chiefs to a win. That would not shock me. But this Ravens defense, they are the first defense since the 1970 merger to lead the NFL in scoring defense, sacks, and takeaways. And they've had some great defenses, right? You've had the – Baltimore defense from the 2000s, 02 Bucks. Uh, hell, you've had the 85 Bears, all-time great 2013 Seahawks, all-time great defenses who haven't led the NFL in scoring defense sacks and takeaways. Uh, even that Eagles defense last year was considered a really good defense. Remember, they had 70 sacks in the regular season, led the NFL in sacks. They were a good defense, and Patrick Mahomes lit them up. Uh, ended up scoring 38 points in a great Super Bowl. Uh, but that, that Eagles defense did not make a lot of plays against Patrick Mahomes, and they were not able to stop or defend him very well. Um, and this season, Patrick Mahomes has fewer weapons, right? That's been the big complaint or criticism of the Chiefs this year is that their wide receiving core, maybe the weakest wide receiving core that Patrick Mahomes has had. So this rant I want to get into Patrick Mahomes' is history versus top defenses, elite defenses, because that's what he's going to face versus the Ravens. On the road, by the way, even more important. So um, since Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson became starters in 2018, this is kind of where the, uh, the research started. So Patrick Mahomes is 12-2 and two, uh, in his career against defenses or in that time span against defenses that rank in the top 15 in points allowed per drive. Ravens are number one right now in points allowed per drive. In those uh, 14 games, Mahomes averaged 7.9 yards per pass attempt, 316 passing yards per game, and the Chiefs averaged 28 and a half, almost 29 
points per game. It's a pretty good number. Uh, Mahomes scored 42 points in the playoffs against Buffalo's number one defense in 2021 uh, and 44 points in the regular season against San Fran's number one defense in 2022. The only top five defense to hold Mahomes and the Chiefs under 20 points was the 2021 Cowboys, who uh, lost a game 19-9 to in Kansas City. Mahomes' only two losses to elite defenses, statistically, were at home against the Bills in 2021, 38-20, and at home uh, and against the Bills in the regular season in 2022, 24-20. He's 7-0 against, uh, if you will look at it, against elite scoring defenses, scoring, just in terms of scoring defenses, in games played away from Kansas City which this game will be played in Baltimore. And he's 6-2 and two against teams that have allowed fewer than 300 points in a season, and he scored at least 20 points in every game. So he's got some success versus elite defenses, but I will admit his stats are not efficient. If you look at the top five defenses he's played, 27 touchdowns, 16 interceptions in those 14 games. So, I mean, that's for him, for Mahomes, that is a glaring uh, – disparity of 27 touchdowns to 16 interceptions is usually his touchdown interception ratio is much better than that. So he, they, they do make some plays or at least they get some splash plays and some takeaways against Patrick Mahomes. We'll see how he does against this Ravens defense. He has three, his first three matchups against the Ravens. Uh, if you go look at that's included in that sample size of those 14 games from um, he shredded Baltimore, 377 yards, 374 yards, and 385 yards passing. And the Chiefs scored 27, 33, and 34 points. Different Chiefs squad, different Baltimore defense as well. So that's something to consider. This defense, this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has played this season. This is one of the best defenses, if not the best defense potentially, that he's played in his career. It's in that category. It's in that conversation. So that is uh that would be a concern, but I I don't trust the, the the wide receivers for the Chiefs. Haven't trusted them all year long. I do wonder how they're going to hold up against this uh, Ravens secondary. One thing to keep in mind about the Ravens, though, the Ravens they have uh basically they've beaten their playoff teams, their opponents who have been playoff teams this year, by an average of 14 points. The seven and three in those ten games where they played a playoff team, three and four though in close games. Uh, three and four in games that are close games that come down to the fourth quarter, one possession in the fourth quarter, and they've blown more leads, three of them, than they have game-winning drives. So that is something to consider. If the Kansas City Chiefs can make it a fourth-quarter game, one possession game in the fourth quarter, we haven't seen the Ravens respond really well in those situations. And I got a, I got a feeling that it's going to become a one-score game, one game in the fourth quarter but that is not what the Ravens, that is not their M.O. They have been blowing teams out. Even the Texans, that was a tight game at halftime. I thought Texans may make, make this a fourth quarter game. They did not. Third quarter, the Ravens pull away. So the Ravens haven't had a lot of games that come down to the fourth quarter, and when it has, they've, that's where most of their losses are. Yeah, and they're getting better because let's all remember, they were installing a brand-new offense. And yes. They don't play much in the preseason. So, uh, but it does feel right now that they're hitting their stride as far as you know the, the the defense numbers you just gave, which are ridiculous, uh, but the offense just keeps evolving uh, with mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson and what he can do. So you combine that's where you blow people out, right? You're not giving up points and you're forcing turnovers and sacks, and then your offense is really hard to get off the field. Uh, I mean, they've got the the Ravens rod have nine wins of 14 points or more against winning teams. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, nine times. This is the parody league, Rod. This is a league of parity that has come down to a field goal most of the time. 
They've, they've beaten nine winning teams by 14 points or more. I know. But they oh, also – I agree, and, and I'm with you because it's when they put their foot on the gas or foot on your throat, they, they don't let up. But they have. I know. Four times. Three times. Three yes, times. Yes, right? Times. They've, and, it, and since they started to 2022 – the Colts. Yeah, this is actually something that's been plaguing them since the start of last season or two seasons ago in 2022 because they've blown seven multi-possession leads since the start of 2022. Seven of them. Yeah. And three of them, like you said, have come this season. So there's something about them being in a one-score game. Remember, this is an issue with the 49ers because they're a front-runner. Right, the 49ers are a team that likes to be a front runner. And prior to that game winning drive for Purdy, in the situations where they were down in the fourth quarter, where you know, down five to eight points in the fourth quarter of games, Shano hadn't been able to break through. Oh, and thirty. Yeah, this is the first time that they actually did break through. So it's it's all about your the way you win. Think about the Packers were kind of like this. The Packers were the best first quarter team this this season, and and what were they doing in the playoffs? First quarter. Yeah, dominating early. <laughs> right? yeah. Dominating early. So some teams just have a, they have a certain style that they play. And for the Ravens, their style is, like the 49ers, we are front runner. We're going we're gonna to blow you out. We're going to find a way to blow you out in the first half or in those first three quarters. But if it is a fourth quarter game, one possession, I get a little nervous if I'm a Ravens fan. 100%. I mean, that, yeah, that, that's got to be the Andy Reid recipe here, yeah. is, especially with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Guys, you know, weather the Mike Tyson storm and get this thing there to the fourth go. quarter and see yep. if the, the best quarterback in the world can, can, can get us there. Because that's you're right. The, the, you know, Baltimore has four losses this year. One of them was week 17 against Cleveland, which we don't count, or Pittsburgh, because they didn't start any. No one, the starters didn't play. Yep. But the three where they did, there are three other losses to the Colts, the Steelers, and the Browns. You could argue were more their mistakes in the fourth quarter than anything the other team did. Meltdowns. I came in talking about that Steelers game where they had a punt blocked for a touchdown. The, that was the game where all the receivers kept dropping passes from Lamar Jackson that would have been big plays or touchdowns. Like they had four or five just drops in the game, and, and the, the Steelers ended up winning the football game. Uh, but in the nine winning teams they played, Rob, they beat the Lions by 32, the Niners by 14, the Dolphins by 37. The Browns by 25, the Texans by 16 and 24, the Seahawks by 34, the Jags by 16, and the Bengals by 14. All winning teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they're going to blow you out, but if, they, if you can avoid the blowout. Yes. If you just can avoid the blowout, you got a shot. Baltimore's only win that produced the winning points in the fourth quarter or overtime was that punt return that they had yeah, against, against the, Rams the Rams in week 14. That's it. That's the only win this season – that produce winning points in the fourth quarter. And you if you get to the fourth quarter, one possession, you got a real shot because they not they don't even know how to play those games. They haven't played them in well, a long time. And when they have well, played games like that in the fourth quarter, they've lost them. Well, and I, I think we've that. heard the stories now. We heard from Lamar Jackson. I think that's why he was so vocal in the locker room against Houston. You know, quit letting this team hang around with us, y'all. Quit yeah, letting this team right. hang around with us, y'all. Yeah. And they came out and they took care of business. And now – Houston, Kansas City is a different animal than Houston. Yes, they are. Um, but either way, this, is, this has been the best team in the league all year long. Uh, and they're, if they can put one more game on the board, they'll be in the Super Bowl. But you're playing the best quarterback on the planet. So that's why this game will be highly rated, Rod. A lot of people tune in to see this matchup of that defense and Lamar Jackson against that coach. And let's not forget the Chiefs have the, probably maybe the number two defense. And the Chiefs this year have allowed the fewest second-half points of any team in the league. That's good stuff. So yeah. they will make adjustments. Exactly. And that, Which, will, that will help them keep in the game. Yes. That's another way that kind of – they that fits this matchup really well, that they can weather the storm, and then in the second half, Kansas City can make the proper adjustments, make it a one-score game, uh, one-possession game, I should say, in the fourth quarter. Uh, okay, one other quick little nugget here, uh, since we're uh, 
previewing this matchup that I want to throw out there. The, uh, the, you talked about the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense, is, this game can, may come down to pressure, just who can uh, pressure the opposing quarterback the best. The Ravens lead, lead the NFL in sacks. I told you guys that earlier. But they faced uh, 634 pass attempts, so their pressure rate is 23rd in the NFL. They get pressure less than 20% of the time. The Chiefs were second with 57 sacks. <laughs> but they faced 556 pass attempts. Their pressure rate second highest in the league at 20, almost 28% pressure rate overall. Second highest, I believe, behind the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys actually led the NFL in pressure rate. So Chiefs second in sacks, but second also in pressure rate. Ravens first in sacks, but 23rd in pressure rate. So that, that's actually a compliment to Mike McDonald. Remember I told you guys against the Texans, they had 12 different guys that get a pressure. Yeah. They get at least one pressure. And they didn't have any sacks. No, they didn't. They didn't have any sacks or against any, the Texans. Or any interceptions for it. Or any interceptions. They just were able to uh, just really discombobulate CJ, rush him, uh, hurry him a lot of the times. Um, but they, they get really creative about how they apply pressure. And they don't necessarily do it a lot, but when they do – they, they cash in with those sacks. 100%. Uh, all right, good stuff. And Rod's rant two each morning. Coming back, it'll be uh, our man Nick Shuley. We'll talk some Texas hoops with Nick. He's got that great podcast called Brotherhood, the podcast with uh, Royal Ivy and DJ Augustine. We'll get his thoughts on the big win last night. Uh, also, uh, he is our setlist ATX curator. Oh, yeah. He is the president of the Austin Music Movement. That's coming next on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Conversations of uh, party teams and Playboy mansions fired up the uh, message line, of course. Appreciate the uh, fellow who sent me his favorite Playboy mansion story, which is a story about the Grateful Dead, who performed on a show called Playboy After Dark. That was a thing, Playboy After Dark? (laughs) I guess, with with, with Hugh Hefner. This says, what about the Vikings and the party boat guys? Yeah, they didn't win enough. Though. How many games did they win? They win a championship? They had a good year. Remember, that was a 15-1 and one year in there with You're Minnesota. Right. We're talking about teams. Basically, these teams, we're talking about ended up winning championships. Those Mets, won, they win a championship? Yeah, they did. Yeah, right? 86. Yeah, 86. Cowboys, championship, Lakers, championship. So, yeah, you could do – because remember the uh, – you're right, the party boat. That was, that was pretty wild. Minnesota Vikings party boat. That was pretty wild. And didn't he – wasn't there a story about the Suns a couple of years ago when they went to the finals that they – Remember there was like some – you remember this, time? There were a couple of like adult entertainment stars, like OnlyFans stars that said they had like a, a group um, a group session. session, if you will, <laughs> with the Suns. You don't remember this? Uh, I, I don't, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't doubt that in the slightest. I'm going to pull this up right now because they were on like some show. They could have been lying, but they claimed that they had a, a night. I do know with the nights. Showtime Lakers – because, you know, the Mets and the Lakers coincided with Houston because I was growing up in Houston at the time. And the Mets, how about this? The Mets 30 for 30, and somebody reminded me of this the, on, on ESPN. It said it was a strong 30 for 30. Best part was the team did like 175000 in damage to the airplane flying from home from Houston after game six. It was one of the most heartbreaking, heartbreaking Astro games I ever saw, 16 innings and all that. But uh, I guess apparently did two hundred grand worth of damage to the airplane. Flying home. How much? It's 175000 It's documented in the, in the 30 for 30. Like, what were they doing on the plane? <laughs> Who wants to be wilding on a plane, man? You could actually obstruct the, the flight somehow. Well, but it was right around the same. It was going to go down. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What are you trying to bring the plane down? Come on. Uh, like Nick Shirley's voice there. Bills. We'll bring him in. I just want to mention that the uh, 
the Lakers at the same time were playing the Rockets quite a bit because it was you know Keem and Ralph Sampson and the oh, Rockets yeah. Twin Towers over there. and it was I was I was I think it was eighty five eighty six so I'm like thirteen fourteen and then the story of James Worthy when James Worthy got arrested in Houston with not one prostitute but two and I remember as a teenager thinking wow. whoa. Two of them. Two at a time. Yeah, Big game, James. <laughs> Take two chicks at the same time, man. Pay yeah, for good for you. Yeah, you got popped in a hotel in Houston. It was wow. in Houston. Got arrested. Literally. So, yeah. I, uh, Nick Shuley in Set List ATX. <laughs> What's up, Nick? How are you, my friend? This well, is some crazy stuff, man. I love that, man. I, I actually got to uh, go to the Playboy Mansion once before it uh, before it was closed <gasps> oh, down. Like, good uh, tribute. Yeah, it was, uh, we had, I was managing this act that, that was signed by Big Boy. Uh, from Outcast, and they were recording some content in L.A., and Big was talking to his manager and was just like, yeah, he's like, we got invited to the mansion, but we're not going to go. And the lead singer of our band who sang on his song was like, wait, what? And uh, and he's like, dude, we got to go. And then all of us kind of like line up around Big, and we're like, dude, come on, come on, come on. And he's like, hold on, let me check with my wife. And so like Big, big, big calls his wife, and she's like, I don't want to go, but you can so Big takes us over to the Playboy Mansion. It happened to be uh, P. Diddy's birthday, and Rick wow. Ross and Chris Brown were performing at this party. So it was, uh, it was about the craziest thing my 25-year-old mind had ever seen in my entire life. Is it, is it everything <laughs> you imagine, fantastic. though? Is it just women, girls walking around in their lingerie? Uh, oh, yeah, and less. And like that. we got to see like the grotto. We got to see all this stuff, man. It was like, I mean, we, but we were just like dorks, you know, like just rolling around with our jaws down, like, you know, because it was just, I mean, it was, it was like a, a sensory overload. <laughs> and it's just every, every single, like, you know, 30% of the people there are famous, and we're just sitting there like, that's so and so, that's so and so, you know. Like, Wait, these drinks are free? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> these drinks are free. We weren't, we weren't ready for that. <laughs> Shangri La sounds like it. So, that was amazing. Uh, kind of like the, when you first see the Alamo, is it bigger or smaller than you imagine it to be? Um, it, I mean, it was or huge. They had like they had like a red carpet when you walk in. There was like a car drop off area. I mean, the thing was huge, but you could only go to they like we didn't get to go inside the actual mansion. Like this was more like like outside party, so the whole thing was outside. Okay, wow. side door, side gate, guests. I yeah, love it. I didn't try to that, sneak in anywhere. Like we were just happy to be there. <laughs> I love it. That is a great story. That's why it we love it. Truly, <laughs> got story for everything. How are you, Nick? How about? Uh, we'll get to the live music and set list ATX on this Wednesday, as we do each week at nine thirty. Uh, but how about that Longhorn basketball team? How about back-to-back wins? And almost like the uh, the horns down controversy may galvanize this squad. Yeah, pump for the guys, man. Pump for pump for Rodney. I felt you know the tide was turning pretty heavy after. Two losses in the Big 12. Granted, I know they were lower-ranked teams in the Big 12, but you look around at what's happening there, and and it's just it's just a log jam in the middle of that conference. Like it is, and you're talking teams that are ranked in the top 25 that are sitting in the middle to bottom portion of the conference. So they you're pretty proud of how the guys responded. That could have been a a bad moment. I like the adjustments Rodney made. I think putting putting Weaver in more and getting him playing time. That kid, that kid's a spark plug. It's almost like that. It's it's a different version of having you know like a Jabari off the bench. It just changes the changes the nature of the game and the team. And that kid is another level athlete. No question about it. And uh, well, yeah. So what have you seen as the keys to? I mean, Dylan Dessou. Uh, I heard Porter Mosier, we played some of his sound talking about, you know, he's a three-level scorer, he's one of the harder guys to stop. And I think we're starting to see that. When you have two players who can score with the ability of DeSue and Asmus, you can build around that if you're playing defense at the other end. 
for, for sure. And that, and that's been the key is like really kind of fo- honing in on the defensive side. I think, I think offense, this team's going to be all right. You'd hope as long as we don't, you know, settle for, for jumpers every single time, but having to sue there means you don't, you don't have to do that and run in a little two man game there. It's, it's, it's been, it's, uh, I, I like what they're doing now. And, and, and we talked about, it. I thought the UCF game and the, and the West Virginia game were going to be the games. This team figures out how to play together, find each other. And instead, well, and honestly, maybe they did, right? Maybe that's where you're like, okay, this is, is what we shouldn't do and they they started playing some better basketball like that Baylor that Baylor team is a good basketball team and that's that they've got some they got some dogs on that team so it was a it was a good win and and going to OU and and winning on the road in the Big 12 against the number 11 team I saw we dropped I mean we we jumped in our net rankings up to like 44th for that win so they're they, things are things are trending in the right direction but it's a long season and I you know come if you come out of the Big 12 it in the middle like with a 500 record that's a win just because it'll get you in the tournament and and, you know we've added two two resume victories to our you know to the resume and so it's uh I like where this team's headed but but you know these things can flip pretty quickly as we've seen so far yeah well and if you can handle business at and I watched a little bit of the BYU game last night with U of H Texas if they keep playing like this can beat BYU and even though it'll be a tough environment in Provo Saturday afternoon if you were to win that game to go three straight ranked wins how about Big Monday at the Moody Center with Houston in town? Oh, That'll be a scene Monday night. Awesome. They, yeah, BYU's win or lose, oh, win sorry, or lose is going to be a big win or lose is going to be a big time environment. But man, you come in on a three game heater with uh, Kelvin Sampson's team coming to town. That'll be huge. Yeah, and BYU's ripe for the picking right now. Like they're they, they're struggling, so it's it'd be a nice one to go in there and, and steal a win. That, that's going to be a tough game though. That team's good if you haven't seen them play. All right, buddy. Uh, it is Nick Shuley. His uh, his day job is the well. I mean, what do you what do you consider your day job, Nick? I don't know what it is. He's a hustle man. The, the, the Austin <laughs> music movement is my day job. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, we got a lot a lot of, a lot of a uh, lot of you know irons in the fire, which I love and we love here on Hook 'Em Up. But uh, all right, best live music in this weekend. It's another light week and probably good with the weather being like it is. But uh, you can get out and see some great stuff. But uh, where are you where are you sending people? Yeah, this is probably the the lightest week I've seen I've seen so far this year. It's it, it's well and, and in a while I think because it's been so heavy and so hopefully it, it'll it'll start picking up a little. There's a big big week for comedy if you're a comedy fan though. So I I, I tried to throw some of those in there because they're taking up some of the bigger venues and we have starting tonight we have Trevor Noah is doing a from the 24th tonight to the 28th. He'll be at Bass Concert Hall. Uh, that's a cool wow. one to see. And then yeah, an artist. An artist I really, really like, Mayor Hawthorne. I, back in the day, he kind of came around around the Amy Winehouse time, and I kind of called him the the male version of Amy Winehouse. He's got this old kind of soul sound and, and just makes makes music that sounds like it's it's from Motown or another period. I really dig wow. his stuff. But it's got this little hip-hop tinge to it, so we got signed by a hip-hop label. It's cool. That one will be it over at Empire Control Room tonight. And then the, a, a band I've talked about on here before, a band I like from Austin, the Ransom Brothers, a good country act, will be at the Saxon. And then Lyle Lovett will be doing two nights uh, at Green Hall with his large band uh, starting, on, starting tonight and tomorrow. And then Craig Robinson will be over at Cap City Comedy Club from the 25th through the 28th. And for those of you that don't know, Craig Robinson is Daryl from The Office as well as he's been, <laughs> oh, in, nice. he's yeah. been in Hot Tub, Time Machine, Pineapple Express, all the classics. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Craig Robinson. That's good. Love, love me some Daryl. Down in the warehouse. Oh, he's, 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 he's like music. Does he incorporate music in his comedy show? Because he's right. He's a big music guy. Ty's not in his head, so I guess I guess he does. I haven't seen I haven't seen his comedy act, but I, I'd like to see it. He's funny. 
Yeah, I know he does. A lot. I mean, I know he, he he actually plays a lot of instruments aside from comedy, but I wonder if he actually combines them in his act. That's all. No, that'd be cool. And Cap City is a good place to see see comedians. Sure. I really like that place. And then Friday, another another comedian, Joe Coy, who I think a lot of us discovered after his uh, Taylor Swift oh, joke. Oh yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, he he made a lot of enemies, I guess. But uh, but he he's a huge deal because he's playing the Moody Center. Is he the guy that hosted the Golden Globes? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, he wasn't real funny, but he's going to fill up the Moody Center, so he must be pretty funny. <laughs> he must be. He's Maybe doing that something. was a weird scene. Maybe that was a weird scene. Yeah, I mean, those those, those settings are usually pretty tough. <laughs> it's a weird room. Yeah, that's because you're used to uh, what's his name the, from the other the the English Office coming in there. Oh, and Ricky Gervais. Them. Ricky, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Yeah. They're just torching him. He's hilarious <laughs> at the Golden Globes. That's a tough act to follow. All right, that's Friday at Moody. Uh, from Moody Center, by the way, Friday night with Joel Coy. What else on Friday? Then we got RJD2, who's a good old-school uh, hip-hop producer and, and does a lot of instrumental stuff. He'll be over at Kingdom. And then Moving Panorama is one of the best uh, indie rock bands from Austin. They'll be at Cheer Up Charlie's on Friday. And then a great country musician Aaron Watson will be at ACL Live. And then Noah Reed from Schitt's Creek, the TV show. I didn't know if I was allowed to say that on the air. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, at, Good show. We'll, we'll be at Paramount. So so Noah Reed was played Patrick on the show, and he got it, that, it really blew up that he did a cover of Simply the Best by Tina Turner and kind of turned it into an acoustic uh, performance on that show, and it got really, really big. So he, he'll be doing the Paramount, which is cool. Interesting. Like that, okay. So that's uh, Friday as well. What about Saturday? Are we, are we moved into Saturday? Yeah, yeah, we're on Saturday. We got Alejandro Escovedo, another Austin classic. Hall we'll of be, Famer. Oh yeah, he's he's fantastic. He'll be at ACL Live. Uh, Slim Thug, aka now I guess he has rebranded his name to Big Slim. Whoa, be, whoa, yeah. whoa! When did this happen? When did I, I miss it, Slim Thug's name change? Have, I was told that recently. I haven't done the Google search and fully researched, but I, I was told by a reliable source that he is now Big Slim, but it's still billed oh. as Slim Thug, and he's with this uh, up-and-coming rapper I really like called Waco Tron, which I'm guessing he's from Waco. Uh, he's got, he's got so. some good music. They'll, they'll, they'll be at Antone, so you guys can catch Ty there. I'm sure that one. That one will be could it be nice. Wackotron? It could be Wackotron, spelled ah. Wackotron. That is true. It could be. And then uh, a, a big, big dance DJ, Cassian, will be at the Concourse Project, which is a cool place to see dance music. And then an artist that I really, really, really like, Tristan Merez, will be at Green Hall. And if you guys haven't heard this kid, I think he's kind of got he's got he's got like a little bit of a George Strait vibe. He's got this really good song called called Darlin about he he basically would call every girl he texted uh, Darlin. And he invited three girls to a show in College Station, and they all figured out that he was texting each of them, and they compared text messages, oh. and he was texting them, darling. It's like one of the best stories I've heard. And then they figured it out, all got together, posted a picture, and then posted online, who else has Tristan called darling? And he didn't have this song out yet. Um, and so it, it kind of blew up online. He freaked out. It turned into like he thought it was a crisis. And then his manager was like, well, you had that song, Darlin," and they weren't even going to put it out. And uh, and they were like, this would be the perfect time to put it out. So he posted it. And I guess it like won over the girls because he put out this song and kind of gave him a shout out because all all these girls online started started writing in that, that they that they he was calling them Darlin too. It's pretty funny. He's like a really nice kid from Houston, too. But it was a cool story. But he. Uh, He'll be at Green Hall, and he's worth checking out if you haven't listened to his stuff. 
That's a great story. I know. Awesome. Pretty funny. Getting caught. <laughs> getting caught by the interwebs. <laughs> you got to read a song hey, about it. Hey, today's all about turning shame into fame and fame into fortune. It, it turned into his biggest song, and it's and it's a yep. great song, actually. And he was saying it was like a, supposed to be a slow song, but they recorded it at a fast tempo, and so they put out the fast tempo, and it turned into his biggest song. It was really made his career take off. So pretty funny that something like that could be the reason. You know, it's you never know what the reason is you're going to make it in music. Yeah, well, everyone's looking for that break. Well, truth hurts. Truth helps, too. Oh, for it's, sure. It's just real. It's, yeah, it's, it's real. an authentic yeah. story, for sure. Yeah, exactly. uh, Tristan Merez at Green Hall Saturday evening, then Sunday, a couple shows, including a comedy show, yeah. and, a, and, a, and a legendary band. Yeah, Brian Regan, who's a big comedian, will be over at ACL Live, and then uh, my, my boss, Mr. Gary Keller's favorite band in the world, the Doobie Brothers, will be over at the Moody Center. And then Ooh. Monday, we've got uh, Dale Watson at the Continental Club, another another staple. And then Tuesday, James McMurtry at the Continental Club. And so I had I, I got one quick quick thing before I get out of here. I was talking to Ty. I guess Joe Abel's was in the house yesterday from the Saxon Pub. To he was promoting uh, uh, on the radio about the, this uh, this show they do. It's a Texas Heritage Songwriters Hall of Fame show where they induct cool. artists into the Hall of Fame. So I called Joe. I was like, Hey, you got any Saxon tickets to give away? for this week and he was like no man he's like give them away give give some of the hall of fame tickets away and i and i was like you sure you want to do that because these are these are expensive good tickets and uh, you'll have to listen to this lineup for the hall of fame show this year so on february 24th at acl live they got ronnie dunn from brooks and dunn miranda lambert jack ingram emmy lou harris john randall and a bunch more um, John so, Randall's amazing. Oh, he's fantastic. As are all the others, by the way. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an incredible line. Honestly, my favorite kind of award show, et cetera, little event to go to during the year. They do such a good job. It's been at the Paramount every year. This year, they're kind of moving moving to a bigger venue at ACL Live, and it is 100% worth your time. He also told me to drop a little tidbit that if uh, – for those people out there, they have they do the sponsor show the night before, and the people playing the sponsor show, and I can't give away the location, are Parker McCollum, Dirks Bentley, and Emmy Lou Harris will be doing a songwriter round, and you have to be, I guess, a sponsor to get into that, so I guess go to texassongwriters.com if you want to figure that out, but definitely worth worth checking out, and we'll give away two tickets on, on here if y'all want to. Love that. All right, let's do that. I want to do it right now. Uh, that is unbelievable. That's February the what? And I want to be at that, too, by the way. Songwriters. I'll, I'll make sure you uh, get in. Febu- February okay. 24th is the show, and the, tw- and the 23rd is the sponsor show. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we'll do Caller 5, 447-3776. Can pick up those passes for next month at Moody, uh, ACL Live at Moody Theater with some of the best songwriters in Austin and out of Nashville. That's really good stuff. And thank you to Joe Abels, and thank you to Nick Shuley, president of the Austin Music Movement. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Hook'em Horns, good stuff right there. By the way, music reminded by my buddy Charlie Wilson over at Callahan's. The Blues of Ruby Dice at Callahan's from noon to four. Free music. Okay. All that goes on at Callahan's. So, uh, get out there. they got live music on Saturdays at Callahan's General Store. And uh, pick up those tickets, 447-3776. And the live music capital of the world. We love our sports. We also love live music. Thank you to Nick Thank for you, delivering Nick. it to you. Been, we to come- the, been to the Playboy Mansion. The first time I've heard that story from Nick, been knowing Nick for a long Dang. time now. Come on, Nick. That's a good one. That's a great one. I need details on that. Uh, we, I need pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? He said it happened. Like, they could have took some pictures back then, right? Come on, man. Come on. I need some pics. Let's uh, <laughs> come back with who said that, Rod? Who's it? Got some good audio, including the person we've all wanted to hear from since Sunday. Details coming. Hook him up with the Rob D. Ooh, and this and that.
Indeed, it's a hook 'em up. And who said that, Rod? Can I play this for you? You're gonna know who it is, but it's somebody I think we've all wanted to hear from since uh, some of the video we saw on Sunday of this past weekend. Here we go. Who said this, Rod? I'm not gonna lie. I gave Kylie a heads up. The moment we got into the suite, I said, "I'm <laughs> taking my shirt off and I'm jumping out of that suite." And she said, "Jason, right. don't you dare!" I was like, "Hey, it's letting you know what's happening." I'm not asking for permission. I'm doing this. Once a Kelsey man's determined, there's no f- stopping him. And she was already telling me to be on my best behavior because we were meeting Taylor. This is hilarious. I was like, Kylie, when I met you, the first day I met you, I was blacked out, drunk, and fell asleep at <laughs> the bar. This is part of the charm. This is part of the Jason Kelsey charm. I want to make my best first impression. This is my best chance. My best first impression is the worst impression ever. So I, I, I could just build Set from that, that point. Nice oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's Jason great. Kelsey, he, his wife, be on your best behavior. Oh, no. No. I met you. I was acting a fool. I'm going to continue to act a damn fool. That's what I'm going to do. And you know what? Do you. It's got, look at where it's got you. Yeah. It's people worked. like to see you act a fool. You bring people joy when you do so. Keep it up. I loved it. What do you have for me, Rod? All right, Ty, I sent you a couple of these, so uh, you just dial any of them up and we can play. Who said that? There's more more uh, fundamental teaching done now than I had to do when we were a championship-caliber team. Uh, that was more uh, making decisions during games, calling a certain play, drawing a certain play, making a certain substitution, uh, looking for mismatches, you know, the, the – the mechanics of the game of chess while well, the game is going on because those guys knew what they were doing <clears throat> and they were fundamentally sound. These guys are neophytes and we're not at that stage. So this is more positioning on the court, spatial relationships, man and ball, all the stuff that they would do in college, but they didn't go there. And if they did, they went for a year. So it's, a different kind of teaching. The game stuff, uh, I don't get to do quite as often uh, as before. Pop. That is Pop saying, uh, yeah, basically, I'm teaching fundamentals now because these guys, they don't know fundamentals. You know who said that years ago? Kobe. Yeah. Kobe used to say that's why the Euro Leagues and the international game, international players, they come to the NBA and they have so much success. He's like, because fundamentally, he's like, they're light years ahead of where American players are in terms of teaching the fundamentals. And there's Pop saying too. He's like, man, I got to teach fundamentals now. Stuff I didn't have to teach back in the day. Guys used to come to me with that built-in foundation. Now I got to build the foundation. Good. And they're neophytes, as he said. I love that. I mean, his best young player is Wemby. He's 19. Brock Cunningham's 25. <laughs> Brock on that, uh, yeah, he on that, that that veteran plan, man. It's like, you know, it's a little uh, different time these days. You know? You're right about that. And I will, I'll play you some sound if I can find it coming up of, of why that is and what Kobe said what he said. It's it's absolutely true. Yeah. And it's a problem for American basketball. There's no doubt about it. Well, look uh, at all the MVPs now. I know. And, where are they from? Uh, Europe, 100% <laughs> around the globe. And there's a reason, there's a really easy reason why. All right, we'll come back when we are, I'd say easy, but pretty simple yep. explanation to why. We'll have that coming up, plus more on the Jim Harbaugh watch. A lot of reporting that he's going to uh, agree to be the new head coach of the L.A. Chargers at some point today. Details coming on Hook'em Up into the Fabulous Fifth Hour.